and welcome back to Corruption of Child Protective Services. I am your humble host, David Shore. The people in Montana, they had a bill, House Bill number 409. Now, it was introduced by D. Lenz S. Grief, G-R-E-E-F, T. Moore, A. O-L-S- Z-E-W-S-K-I B. Ritchie L. Sheldon Galloway B. Usher P. Webb and R. Webb The title of it is A Bill for an, an Act Entitled An Act Generally Revising General Protective Services Revising Child Protective Services Sorry Procedures Creating an Emergency Removal Hearing Revising Treatment Plan Requirements Providing Definitions and Amending Sections 41-3-102, 41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-432-41-3-
now. Number 11. Now let's go to number 10. Family group decision-making meeting means a meeting that involves family members in either developing treatment plans or making placement decisions or both. So at least they're including people in this, the family, because wow, isn't that way they're supposed to be? Oh no, CPS doesn't believe in that. Because if CPS believed in that, we wouldn't be where we're at today. Now, 11, Indian child. I'm reading this number 11 of the bill. It says, means any unmarried person who is under 18 years of age and who is either A, a member of an Indian tribe, or B, eligible for membership in an Indian tribe and is the biological child of a member of an Indian tribe. So, in other words, no mention of the father. In other words, the father is not there. Because remember, an Indian child means an unmarried person who is under 18 years of age. So, if we go by that, then that means that the child was having sexual intercourse and it got pregnant before the child's 18th birthday. What kind of sick, twisted people are these? Why would they even bring that up? But according to them, an Indian child means any unmarried person who's under the under 18 years of age. And then, and who is either a member of an Indian tribe or is eligible for membership in an Indian tribe and is a biological child of a member of an Indian tribe. Anyone else getting dizzy for this? Let's see. Indian child's tribe mean the Indian tribe in which an Indian child is a member or eligible for membership or... B, in the case of an Indian child who is a member of or eligible for membership in more than one Indian tribe, the Indian tribe with which the Indian child has the more significant contacts. What if they're already on the Indian reservation? Or whatever land it is. Let's go to number 13. Indian custodian means any Indian person who has legal custody of an Indian child under tribal law or custom or under state law or to whom temporary physical care, custody, and control have been transferred by the child's parent. So far, I'm not seeing any kind of difference in what they're talking about. Let's continue on. I mean, after all, I'm not in Montana. I'm here in Indiana, which in the next segment I'm going to be going into. Okay. I'm going to read this, and I am not kidding. Parent means a biological or adoptive parent or step-parent. 17. Parent-child legal relationship means a legal relationship that exists between a child and the child's birth or adoptive parents, as provided in Title 40, Chapter 6, Part 2, unless the relationship has been terminated by a competent judicial decree, as provided in 40-6-234, Title 42, or Part 6 of this chapter. (sighs) Has anyone else thought... Or maybe I'm just wrong, but it looks like CPS is just trying to cover their proverbial asses. 
I think another segment is going to be there. They have got so many definitions before you actually get... Here's one. 23A, psychological abuse or neglect means severe maltreatment through acts or omissions that are injurious to the child's emotional, intellectual, or psychological capacity to function, including the commission of acts of violence against another person residing in the child's home. Boy, so in other words, we're just getting into this, but they're really trying to cover their own asses. Anyone else see a pattern going on here? They're trying, it sounds like just in the beginning, they're trying to justify taking your children. Now, I will bring something up for Indiana, and it's only seven pages long. But when you read that, we'll come back to this. And we'll go back and forth between Montana's bill from 2019 and Indiana's bill that was just introduced last month. So, hold on to your seats, boys and girls, because this is information. Like I said, I'm going to give it to you. You check it out. This is Montana House Bill 0409. So, we'll see what happens. I'll read Indiana's and I'll come back to Montana's. So in the next segment, we'll go through that. We will be back. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been running into an issue. The issue is this. There is... I think I found it. What it is, is that there are certain legislation that's currently going through the uh, Indiana. And what it deals with is the House Family, Children, and Human Affairs Committee. What this does is, I've read it. It overhauls the Indiana Department of Child Services. And I am right here. There's different Senate bills that's uh, been going through. And I came across this just by uh, mere accident. And what it is, is that it's a bill that reforms the Indiana Department of Child Services. Now, that Montana bill, we'll go back to this. Now, they have safety plan, sexual abuse, means the commission of sexual assault, sexual intercourse without consent, indecent exposure, sexual abuse, ritual abuse of a minor, or incest as described in Title 45, Chapter 5. Sexual abuse does not include any necessary touching of an infant's or toddler's general area while attending to the sanitary or health care needs of that infant or toddler by a parent or other person responsible for the child's welfare. If you remember my story, I assisted my moderate mentally handicapped daughter with her bath. According to this law, according to the way it's written in 2019, if Indiana would have had that, I would have never 
been accused of anything. They would have said, okay, it's perfectly all right. Because a child needs, if the child is mentally handicapped, needs assistance. But Indiana doesn't think like that. Then again, Indiana is greedy as a day is long. Sexual exploitation means allowing, permitting, or encouraging a child to engage in a prostitution offense as described in 45-5-601 through 45-5-603 or allowing, permitting, or encouraging sexual abuse of children as described in 45-5-625. I, I have no problem with that. Absolutely no problem. Because there's a difference between a, a parent taking care of their child and someone who, let's be honest, there are sick individuals in this world. And I understand that, yes, they have to be dealt with. But I think law enforcement, CBS has to work with law enforcement. And I think everyone would, my listeners here would agree. But to have them have carte blanche to not even have to go to a judge, just take the children, and then later say, oh yeah, Your Honor, yeah, uh, we have uh, reason to believe the child was being abused. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> how many people think I'm over-exaggerating? How many people think that I'm on the mark? Okay. Now, people of Montana, and hopefully that follows everywhere. Now, this 33, used to be 31, says unfounded means that after an investigation, the investigating person has determined that the reported abuse, neglect, or exploitation has not occurred. That means a full investigation. And uh, Ms. Stigden, that also includes having a child looked at by a doctor, a medical doctor, plus a psychological doctor, a psychiatric doctor, have everything checked out. Get all the evidence. If there's evidence of abuse, neglect, or sexual abuse, then go for that. And folks, I haven't even gotten into the actual bill yet. Here's one from Number 31, used to be number 29. A, social worker, means an employee of the department who, before the employee's field assignment, has been educated or trained in a program of social work or a related field that includes cognitive and family systems treatment or who has equivalent verified experience or verified training in the investigation of child abuse, neglect, and endangerment. It's a part here that I still have a problem with. Has been educated or trained in a program of social work. But I'm glad that they followed up through with or a related field that includes cognitive and family systems treatment. Listen to the word family systems treatment. Treatment. That does not mean removing the child. Here's unsubstantiated. 
means that after an investigation, the investigator was unable to determine by a preponderance of the evidence that the reported abuse, neglect, or exploitation has occurred. That doesn't mean that the person says, well, I believe so. Has to prove with the preponderance of the evidence. Withholding of medical... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to listen to the next part. It's number 35. And hopefully Indiana follows this. 35A. Withholding of medical indicated treatment means the failure to respond to an infant's life-threatening conditions by providing treatment, including appropriate nutrition, hydration, and medication that in the treating physicians or physicians' reasonable medical judgment will be most likely to be effective in um, ameliorating or correcting the conditions. How many times have you heard or you may have even gone where they just take the child but the doctor wasn't even consulted? That in, At my trial, the doctor was never testified. Don't you think that uh, if you're accusing somebody of something, accusing a parent, you don't want the doctor there and they can go over or at least talk about what's going on? Ladies and gentlemen, if it sounds like I'm excited, I am. Because this is mind-blowing. They're changing the narrative. Ms. Stigden, you better hope and pray. You see... Okay, I'm going to go on. It's part B. The term does not include the failure to provide treatment other than appropriate nutrition, hydration, or medication to an infant when in the treating physician's or a physician's reasonable medical judgment, the infant is chronically and irreversibly comatose. The provision of treatment would merely prolong dying, not be effective in ameliorating or correcting all of the infant's life-threatening conditions, or otherwise be futile in terms of the survival of the infant or the provision of treatment would be virtually futile in terms of survival of the infant and the treatment itself under the circumstances would be inhumane. For purposes of this subsection 35, infant means an infant less than one year of age or an infant one year of age or older who has been continuously hospitalized since birth, who was born extremely premature, who has a long-term disability. The reference to less than one year of age may not be construed to imply that the treatment should be changed or discontinued when an infant reaches one year of age or to affect or limit any existing protections available under the state laws regarding medical neglect or children one year of age or older. Ladies and gentlemen, what I've read so far, if this sounds promising, it's because it is. They are finally pinpointing exactly what each definition is. You in Montana... If since this law went into effect, if your numbers continue to go up, learn this. Go into the courtroom. Go into hearings. Point this out. 
It's about time CPS is told, uh-uh, not on my watch. When we come back, I'm going to continue with this. And I'm going to also continue doing a little bit more research on Senate Bill 301 in Indiana. I have it here, so hopefully I can get into that. We'll be back. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are... uh, You're hearing this. This is something I was not aware of. Yes, I am getting excited because it is protecting the family. But also, it does give CPS a little bit more, shall we say, teeth. Now, an emergency protective service. One, any child protective social worker of the department, a peace officer, or the county attorney who has reason to believe any child is in immediate or apparent danger of harm may immediately remove the child and place the child in a protective facility after ensuring that the child is safe. The department may make a request for further assistance from the law enforcement agency or take appropriate legal action. The person or agency Placing the child shall notify the parents, parent, guardian, or other person having physical or legal custody of the child of the placement at the time the placement is made or as soon after placement as possible. Notification under this subsection must include the reason for removal, information regarding the emergency removal hearing, and the show cause hearing and the purpose of the emergency removal hearing and the show cause hearing must advise the parents, parent, guardian, or other person having physical or legal custody of the child that the parents, parent, guardian, or other person may have a support person present during any in-person meeting with the social worker concerning emergency protective services. Part 2. If a social worker of the department, a peace officer, or the county attorney determines in an investigation of abuse or neglect of a child that the child is in danger because of the occurrence of partner or family member assault, as provided for in 45-5-206, or strangulation of a partner or family member, as provided for in 45-5-206, against an adult member of the household or that the child needs protection as a result of the occurrence of partner or family member assault or strangulation of a partner or family member against an adult member of the household, the department shall take appropriate steps for the protection of the child, which may include A. Making reasonable efforts to protect the child and prevent the removal of the child from the parent or guardian who is a victim of alleged partner or family member assault or strangulation of a partner or family member. So in other words, on that part, they can't remove the child unless they have proof that something actually did happen. Part B, making reasonable efforts to remove the person who allegedly committed the partner or family member assault or strangulation of a partner or family member from the child's residence if it is determined 
Now, let me repeat that again. If it is determined that the child or another family or household member is in danger of partner or family member assault or strangulation of a partner or family member and providing services to help protect the child from being placed with or having unsupervised visitation with the person alleged to have committed partner or family member assault or strangulation of a partner or family member until the department determines that the alleged offender has met conditions considered necessary to protect the safety of the child. So, that is saying that if the person meets these requirements, they if they leave and they take, let's say, anger management, they go through the therapy that they need to go through, that they can have unsupervised visits. Well, you know how CPS works. They will do everything they can to try to get around that. Let's go on. It says, if the department determines that an adult member of the household is the victim of partner or family member assault or strangulation of a crime or family member, the department shall provide the adult victim with a referral to a domestic violence program. Ladies and gentlemen, have you noticed something what they're not saying? They're not putting sex or gender in there. They're not saying if the department determines that a female of the household or the mother of the household is the victim of a partner or family member. They're stating if the department determines that an adult member of the household is the victim of partner or family member assault or strangulation of a partner or family member, the department shall provide the adult victim with a referral to a domestic violence program. That means that if the if it's the woman who's assaulting the man or the man assaulting the woman, whoever is the victim... That's the person that's going to get the help. But also the person who's doing the assaulting, maybe they have to be separated from the family to get help themselves. But it's not, so far it doesn't sound like they're breaking up the family. I may be wrong, and you in Montana, you know this better than I do. A child who has been removed from the child's home or any other place for the child's protection or care may not be placed in a jail. Yay! At least they got that. Let's see. Number five. The department shall locate and... Ladies and gentlemen, and you people in Montana, if you know about this, you probably like this part of it. It says, the department shall... They scratched out May... The department shall locate and contact extended family members upon placement of a child in out-of-home care. The department may share information with extended family members for placement and case planning purposes. Now, it's number six. Except as provided in 41-3-305, if a child is removed from the child's home by the department... A child protective 
social worker shall submit an affidavit regarding the circumstances of the emergency removal to the county attorney and provide a copy of the affidavit to the parents or guardian. Prior to or at the emergency removal hearing. Oh, sorry. Let me correct that. Now, let me repeat this, except it's provided in 41-3-305, because it got some parts there scratched out. I do apologize. If a child is removed from the child's home by the department, a child protective social worker shall submit an affidavit regarding the circumstances of the emergency removal to the county attorney and provide a copy of the affidavit affidavit to the parents or guardian at the time of the emergency removal hearing. Yes, you did hear that correctly. At the time of the emergency removal hearing. An abuse and neglect petition must be filed prior to or at the emergency removal hearing unless arrangements acceptable to the agency for the care of the child have been made by the parents or voluntary protective services are provided pursuant to 41-3-3-2. Now, that means that they can't suddenly just take your child. They have to file it before or at the hearing. That means that they have to jump through all these hoops. Except as provided in the Federal Indian, Indian Child Welfare Act, if applicable, a show cause hearing must be held within 20 days of the filing of the petition unless otherwise stipulated by the parties pursuant to 41-3-434. If the department determines that a petition for immediate protection and emergency protective services must be filed to protect the safety of the child, the social worker shall interview the parents of the child to whom the petition pertains if the parents are reasonably available before the petition may be filed. The district court may immediately issue an order for immediate protection of the child. Well, so far it doesn't sound too good, but you know how our system works. It's slow, but... And... The department shall make the necessary arrangements for the child, child's well-being, well-being, sorry, and as are required prior to the emergency removal hearing and the show cause hearing. So, in other words, they have to have an emergency removal and show cause hearing at the same. Sounds like at the same time. So, in other words, they can't just take your kid. They have to actually go to the judge present their evidence, and if it's substantiated, okay, if it doesn't look like it, it's just hearsay, apparently they say, child goes back to the parents. When we come back, in this next segment, we're going to go over the emergency removal hearing. You know, you people in Montana are way ahead of schedule. Thank you. We'll be back. And we are back. 
Okay, folks, I'm going to read just a part before we continue with that Montana one, and I'll make another uh, episode maybe tomorrow. But it's Senate Bill 301, a gross Senate bill authored by Senator, Senator Aaron Huchin, Senator John Ford, Senator Ronald Groom, co-authored by Senator Eric Koch, Senator Stacy Donato, Senator J.D. Ford, Senator Vadi Quadua, Senator Lonnie Randolph, Senator Susan Glick, Senator Linda Rogers, Senator Gene Leeson, sponsored by Representative Dale Devon, Representative Ann Vermillion, and Representative Ryan Lauder. I'm going to just read the digest or the long and short of it. Child Services Oversight Committee establishes the Child Services Oversight Committee requires the committee to review cases, case decisions of the Department of Child Services in certain cases with negative outcomes, make recommendations to the DCS and the Legislative Council, study topics assigned by the Legislative Council, and study any other issues relevant to the activities of the DCS excuse me, and improving child safety, authorizes the committee to meet at any time at the call of the chairperson, provides that records reviewed by the committee are confidential and may not be disclosed, requires a local office or the DCS to redact. Okay, the details of this. As you can see, this is something I wanted to talk to you about. Okay, the bill's action so far. It first reading referred to Committee on Family, Children, and Human Affairs. And that was on March the 4th of this year. So, this is something that's really happening. It's not just... So, see this, okay, it says redact any identifying information from any record provided to the committee, specifies other policies governing the committee. So, I just wanted you to hear that I will have more information as... It becomes available. Okay, now let's get back to this. Now, the emergency removal hearing in Montana. When a child has been removed from the residence pursuant to 41-3-301, an emergency removal hearing must be conducted within 48 hours of the removal. At the hearing, removal, emergency removal hearing, A. The court shall explain the procedures to be followed in the case and explain the party's rights, including the right to request appointment or assignment of counsel in accordance with 41-3-425. B. The department shall present its petition and supporting affidavits. And C. The parent, guardian, or other persons having physical or legal custody of the child must be given the opportunity to admit or deny the allegations contained in the petition. So, in other words, they can't just railroad you. They can't say, you know, I don't want to hear anything. 
And yes, that did happen uh, at my son's hearing. Two, at the conclusion of the emergency removal hearing, the court shall make an order based on the information presented regarding whether the child should be immediately reunited with the parent, guardian, or other person having physical or legal custody of the child. Wow. Look at number three. If the court determines that return of the child to the home is appropriate, the court may require that a safety plan be developed, which may include, but not limited to, a designation of a safety person to serve as resources for the family. Sorry. (laughs) B. Referrals to service providers. And C. Consent to periodic home visitations by department staff. How many of you listening, not just here in the United States, but around the world, would love something like that? CPS comes in and they have an emergency removal. 48 hours later, you get to the judge. The judge looks at everything and says, there is not substantiated. There's insufficient evidence to remove this child. This is what I'm going to order. That the child be returned. That we're going to have someone designated a safety person is going to be a resource for the family. We're going to give referrals to for services, and we're going to be consistent to peer, we're going to be have periodic home visits by department staff. I don't think anyone would agree would disagree with that. Sorry. If the court orders continuation of removal of the child from the home, the court shall. A. Name the individuals, including parents and other family members, who may visit the child and the terms and conditions for visitation. B. Determine whether orders of examinations, evaluations, counseling, immediate services, or protection are needed prior to the show-causing, show-cause hearing. And that, they're saying, well, here, here is the things you will have to do. Not... Well, we'll leave it up to CPS or DCS or whatever. So in other words, the court is saying these are the things you have to do. Once you get this done, you can have your children back. C. Schedule the show cause hearing, which must occur within 20 days of the emergency removal hearing. Okay, I thought it was at the same time, but the show cause is 20 days later. And D. Make any other findings the court considers necessary well what I have just read to you and they have about the show cause hearing they have okay there is a part of the show cause hearing I believe you should have should know if an explanation has not already been provided at an emergency removal hearing at the show cause hearing the court shall explain the procedures to be followed in the case and explain the party's rights, including the right to request appointment or assignment of counsel if indigent, if appointment or assignment of counsel is required under the Federal Indian Child Welfare Act. 
if applicable, and if counsel has not already been appointed or assigned at the emergency removal hearing, and the right to challenge the allegations contained in the petition. The parent, guardian, or other person having physical or legal custody of the child must be given the opportunity to admit or deny the allegations contained in the petition at the show cause hearing. Inquiry must be made to determine whether the notice requirements of the Federal Indian Child Welfare Act, if applicable, have been met. Ladies and gentlemen, that's due process. That is exactly what DCS did, CPS did not want. They don't want you to be able to challenge it. They don't want you to have legal counsel. Because if you have legal counsel, you are in the same level as they are. You have a fighting chance. Montana, I salute you. This House Bill 0409, thank you. It is time that we had justice. It is time that this has happened. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Montana HB 0409. Look it up. There's a lot more in there. But I will guarantee you one thing. You read this, CPS is trembling in their boots because the way... There is one more part and I just just came across it. Um, you have to look. It's in 41-3-432 show cause hearing. All right. It's in... It says two. The person filing the petition has the burden of presenting clear and convincing evidence for the issuance of an order for temporary investigative authority after the show cause hearing, except as provided by the Federal Indian Child Welfare Act, if applicable. It's this next part. When you read it, you're going to get excited as I am. If sufficient evidence cannot be provided, the case must be closed and the child returned to the home that day. Ladies and gentlemen, Montana is starting it. I will have, will look at Senate Bill 301 and in my next episode, I will show you exactly how this Senate bill also is helping and how this Senate bill and that Montana House bill is actually taking parts of it out of the United Nations rights of the child. I've always said they're your children, not the government's. You raise them. They do not. They do not issue them to you. They have no rights to them. I have just given you something that is going to get mind-blowing. And it's going to catch like wildfire. I said it before, at the beginning of this year, 2021 is the year CPS is destroyed. Or at least the CPS has been going around for 420 years. Now we got a chance. And families, and especially you in Montana, I say thank you very much. Because if it wasn't for you, 
I think we would still be where we're at. So, for those that did this, I would like to say, House Representative D. Lenz, S. Grief, T. Moore, A. Ozuski, B. Ritchie, Sheldon Galloway, B. Usher, P. Webb, and R. Webb. If anyone knows these people, tell them thank you. The ball is rolling. And now families can finally breathe a sigh of relief. Now, Child Protective Services is now got a shorter leash. This is David Shore for Corruption of Child Protective Services.